Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome into another edition of the Banner 18 podcast. It's Patrick yes. Gilroy alongside my man Josue Pavone. What up, Patrick? Josue, I feel like I was on vacation last week. We missed a week here. Uh, it was a weird week. I didn't get to connect with you. And you've become sort of my, my therapy. Um, look, the fact is this. I've made – it's not a secret – See my therapist twice a month. He keeps my head screwed on straight so I don't go down that, you know, Kirk Minahan, we're going to go find the train. You know, <laughs> Wait he, a minute. This is, just, this is just for Celtics. This just, no, like, it's not even just a life therapist. No, my, my life therapist twice okay. a month, every month, keeps me good. That right. and some pharmaceuticals. We've, we've, <laughs> we've hit it just perfectly, okay? Perfect balance. There you go. And I was fully expecting the Celtic season to be something that continues to help lift my spirits up, not something that further depresses me. <laughs> I found that you have not only become this this awesome co-host and, and friend, but you've also become sort of a free therapist. And when I was away last week, the Celtics continued to struggle, and I found myself really missing my therapy session. So I, for one, am very grateful to be here with you. Thank you. I appreciate that, Patrick. That, that's quite an intro. Um, <laughs> the Pelicans game, though, did that help you a bit? Did that help your nerves? I mean, come on, man. What was it? 124 points. Offense looking better than we've ever seen it. You know, this, well, what, 21 games or whatever long into the season, you know? I will say this. You know, I, the Pelicans game was certainly a step in the right direction. My fear is this, and, and we'll know more as the, the weeks sort of go along here, but the Celtics have had a, a few games this year where I sort of call them false starts. So you go back to opening night. They looked pretty good against Philly. Uh, then you saw the Milwaukee game where they broke the, the three-point mm-hmm. record. Then, of course, the Toronto overtime game, and we all thought that was going to be, okay, they've righted the ship, here's their jump-off point. Here's turning point, right? And it hasn't happened yet. Uh, maybe a week from now, we'll look back and say, okay, you know, that the New Orleans game was that turning point in the season. But they've been so unpredictable and so up and down this year that it's hard for me to look at a game and say, okay, that's the game in which that flip, the switch got flipped. Right, and it's hard to pick that part of the schedule where you're like, oh, this is the light part. Here, here we go, Celtics. <laughs> Celtics, you guys got this. I mean, when you guys playing the Knicks, oh, forget about, oh, here comes the Knicks. Right. What was that, 30 points at one point? Yeah. Well, they had a 29-point lead. Oh, man, it was, it was sickening at some points, yeah. There's been some ugly games this season. There's no doubt about that. We don't have to rehash all of that, but I, I will say this. Uh, there's... A point in time here where we're going to have to come to the conclusion that this team sort of, they are what they are. And I don't think that we're there just yet. Uh, I think that we can all agree that there's still a tremendous amount of talent on this team. And there's still a a very difficult task for Brad Stevens to sort of accomplish here. And that's meshing of this talent. Now, you brought up the New Orleans game. The New Orleans game featured Marcus Smart in the starting lineup. Both Marcuses, but Marcus Smart's the one I want to focus on right now. Yes. One of the Celtics' signature problems this year, Josue, has been their inability to come out in the first quarter with any sort of authority, where they almost are very passive and they wait for the opponent to punch him in the face before they come to play. Does the infusion of a Marcus Smart into that starting lineup prevent that mentality from taking hold? 
Absolutely. 100%. And on both ends of the floor, which is surprising when we're talking about Marcus Smart. Right. right. Obviously, I'm alluding to the offensive side of things. And it's not necessarily his scoring, per se, but it's his playmaking ability. I mean, you're seeing the Celtics look for these high percentage shots, uh, which is what's been driving us nuts because, you know, they're not settling for those fadeaway jump shots and they're not, you know, doing the ISO plays down the stretch, you know, like we've been seeing time and time again. And I think Marcus Smart has a lot to do with that. You know, you're seeing him make uh, the, the way he creates and the pick and roll opportunities. I mean, he's come a long way, Patrick. You remember those first couple of years? It was like, this guy is just not a point guard. As much as Brad Stevens tried to sort of make him that pure point guard, sure. he was just the pure definition of a combo guard, if you will. But you're seeing him find these pockets to be productive offensively. Obviously, he's able to score here and there, but that's not the main reason why you like him in that starting lineup. The main reason is the defense. The offense at this point is a bonus. And what you're getting on the defensive end is finally someone that can prevent opposing backcourts from going off. You prevent the Trey Burks of the world from going off. Forget Trey Burks. J.J. Barrera lit us up. J.J. Barrea. <laughs> oh, man, the list goes on. You know, Jamal Murray, that was that feels like a while ago, but we can't get it out of our heads right. because of how many guards – I'm not going to call these guys no names, but guys who you don't predict to have career nights against the Boston Celtics. Right, and that's become a, a real trend for this team. And with Marcus Smart now in the starting lineup, I would like to see Brad continue this even when you, know, you get the whole team back. Jalen Brown comes back 100%. Uh, I would like to see them roll with this for a little while because this team needs to sort of establish a different identity. Their identity right, right now is, is that of a fractured basketball team. And after that New Orleans game, we came on here, we did late night – and I sort of said that having Marcus Smart as the counterpart in the starting lineup to a Kyrie Irving, it's perfect because he offers some sort of balance where Kyrie is this elite offensive player. Uh, he's somebody that can legitimately handle the scoring load almost all by himself when he has to. He's that talented offensively. Unfortunately, when they have him out there, Jalen Brown has taken a step back defensively this year for whatever reason, and Terry Rozier is not much of a defender. He'll take chances, but he's not somebody that's going to stop even a Trey Burke or Jamal Murray. Marcus Smart is that guy, so he provides the perfect counterbalance to that elite offense that a guy like Kyrie brings to the table. Absolutely, and you see the the difference. And we got to give props to Brad Stevens because he made this change. He he noticed that the Celtics needed to make this change, and he you know did what a lot of people thought he would do later on with benching. You know, Gordon Hayward, his boy, you know, he, he benched him. And he made that right adjustment, but he put Marcus Smart in that lineup, and, and you saw the difference. You know, you, you saw the difference between the, the attitude, and, and you saw what Kyrie Irving had to say about it. I mean, he, he loves having him in the backcourt to help him out. And let me ask you this. How much of those opposing guards going off against the Celtics, how much would you put that on Kyrie? Because it's, it's a tough, you know, it's a, it's a difficult task at times to ask Kyrie to step up defensively when he's doing so much on the offensive end. And, look, I'm not trying to make excuses for Kyrie. I mean, Kyrie will even be one to tell you that there's times where he takes, you know, plays off. He even said early in the season that there are times where, you know, he's not going 100% defensively and he's sort of putting his mindset towards the offensive side. But then you put someone like Marcus Smart next to him and it just makes the world a difference. Not for nothing, when you go back to Kyrie's best days as a Cavalier, when J.R. Smith had his head screwed on straight, he's an elite defensive mm. two-guard. And there's a reason why they put up with J.R.'s antics, because he provided sort right. of that security blanket in the backcourt defensively. Yeah. 
Uh, he was somebody that's you know big enough to, to match up with a Kawhi Leonard if he has to, but he's also quick and elusive enough to match up with a point guard. Right. And he's yeah. also a dick, so that helps. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and the Celtics really needed some that of attitude. that. attitude, yeah. Um, right. and, and I like that. We'll see if it translates. We'll see if it's sustainable. Uh, you know, as Brad Stevens sort of continues to try to figure this thing out here as we make our way past Thanksgiving and into the Christmas season here. You know, I said from the start of the season, I wasn't going to judge this team until January 1st. We are creeping up very quickly on yeah, January yeah, 1st. Yeah, it's right there. It's right around the corner. You know, yeah. and, and I don't want to judge this team yet. Now, you know, you brought up Gordon Hayward and him being essentially benched. Uh, immediately following his departure from the starting lineup, I think he came out and had two of his better games, the Celtic, coming yes. off the bench. Yeah, absolutely. But I find it interesting because in the last 24, 36 hours, we're hearing that Kyrie Irving is sort of playing, you know, cheerleader and championing this guy to, to get his game back and mm-hmm. reminding Gordon Hayward openly of how good he is, how special he is. At the same time, you read the quotes from Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens is saying that Gordon Hayward has had his two most dominant days in practice the last couple of days, where he has just owned that first unit and really hasn't missed a shot in practice. All that being said, I feel like they're ready to start talking about reinserting him into the starting lineup. Uh, it's it's getting there. It's not quite there, but yeah, that that conversation is gonna you know reignite that at some point within the next week or so. And look, if you're a Kyrie Irving and you're the leader of this team, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to cheer on your your, your top guys, someone who, of course, you know, was a, a vital piece in this in this franchise's future. And we saw who he was before the injury, and we saw someone who was on the cusp of of being that perennial all-star. I mean, he did just come off his his first and only all-star selection, playing for the Utah Jazz. Obviously, it was really difficult to make an all-star team. Maybe he should have earned that the season prior. But either way, I mean, we we know that for someone at his age and for someone who's proved to be as good as who he was before he was injured, he has the capabilities of being that solidified number two next to Kyrie Irving. He does. You want to see Kyrie give him that support. But what's interesting to me is twofold. Uh, First, you know, Kyrie comes from the LeBron James school where, you know, he was sort of raised by LeBron in Cleveland. And LeBron always had a knack for, I don't know, almost knocking players down instead of elevating them and lifting them up, especially when talking to the media. I don't know if LeBron did it on purpose or if it was just the way that he spoke. But that was one of the reasons why it irked Kyrie to stay with the Cavs. He felt like every time LeBron called him his little brother, it was a dig. And I find it ironic that Kyrie is doing the anti-LeBron. And he's sort of elevating this guy to make him feel good about himself. Because I think Kyrie, and Brad Stevens for that matter, they've seen enough in practice. They know that physically... He's not nearly as far off as he may look on the court sometimes. A lot of it is upstairs. Right. So this is, I, th- I think, the next step in, in the mental game here for these guys to get the best version of Gordon Hayward that they possibly can. You know, that's a great point. You know, Kyrie knows what that's like, you know, to not, not I'm not going to say just get credit, but just get that support from your top guy. And Kyrie Irving, he is the top guy on this team. He is the leader of this team. So it, it is important. I mean, how many times did LeBron James bring up that shot in Game 7 that Kyrie knocked down against the Warriors? You don't think that was sort of like the almost a tipping point where Kyrie's like, listen, I need to get out of here. I'm done. Because that was the report, right, right, Patrick? Like, even after the championship, after winning your first NBA championship and, you know, having a chance to come back and, and, and defend your title, Kyrie was like, I'm done. I don't want to be here anymore. So he knows what that's like, and he's given him props, and it's, it's something that I'm sort of surprised we haven't heard sooner. But at the same time, I'm I'm not surprised because this is the time where Hayward needs to hear something like that from Kyrie Irving. You know, now that he's been you know moved to the to, to the second unit, which we talked about before, yep. it's not a demotion. 
but obviously it just means that he needs to find other ways to be more productive. And so far, it's worked. So it's, it's it was a good uh, a good move by by Brad Stevens. Now we know that that Danny Ainge is one uh, who's unafraid to make moves. You go back a couple years ago to the Celtics team uh, pre Kyrie Irving that went to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Cavaliers, went five games, and Danny only returned four players from that team. Uh, he is unafraid. And there's a move that Danny's been rumored to be uh, interested in for many years from now, at many years now, and that's of course the Anthony Davis move. Uh, this year, I think the rumors started a little prematurely that you know Anthony Davis may or may not be moved uh, at some point this season or this off season. Uh, Anthony Davis did come out about two weeks into the season, and he said that he felt like he had to play perfect basketball to uh, give the Pelicans a chance to win. That's a lot of responsibility to put on this guy, and I'm sure that he is frustrated. All that being said, the Celtics are one of the teams that reportedly uh, AD would be interested in joining. That's great to hear. Unfortunately, and I think we've all sort of rehashed this, uh, if the Celtics were to attempt a trade for Anthony Davis in season, unfortunately, no matter what they offered to the Pelicans, even if they offered Tatum and Brown four first-round picks, the NBA would nix it. So you can't do it. You can't have two guys on the Rose Rule on your team. There is one move that can be made that can get Anthony Davis here. And it's a move that I think New Orleans would certainly be interested in because they could sell it to their fans. And that's Kyrie and maybe maybe Jalen Brown in a draft pick. So now you've got your young star, your legit star, and your future star. And you get a top three player in the world here in Boston. So, Josue Pavone, you're Danny Ainge, and the Pelicans come calling. With that deal, do you make that deal? No. No, You're crazy. And, I, and I've given this a lot of thought. I Patrick. bet you have. I have because <laughs> I just I can't help but but think that in the long run it's not a horrible idea. But I, I mean, this window of of having Kyrie play the way he's been playing, being that closer. I mean, I just don't see the team led by Anthony Davis winning it all within the next couple of years. I I don't. I don't think. I, I don't want to go out and say Tatum can't be that guy. Next season, you still have Tatum, you still have Gordon Hayward, you still have Al Horford, ah, but you need Kyrie. And what you're doing is you're elevating Terry Rozier back up to the position he was in last year. Now we all understand that there is a significant drop off from Kyrie to Rozier, but we also saw Terry Rozier at his best last year. So if you could be guaranteed that sort of production, scary Terry is back in full effect, doesn't have to look over his shoulder anymore. Don't you think that the upgrade that you get everywhere else because you're adding a guy like Anthony Davis sort of I don't know, outweighs the, the diminished play that you're going to have the, between a Kyrie Irving and, and a Terry Rozier? I just don't – I can't confidently say that Terry Rozier can return to being that guy. I mean, look, sometimes the way a situation plays itself out, it's just that time, that moment, everything clicks. I don't know if they can – with that much, with that amount of pressure, with you know the way he's looked this season, I mean – People can say what they want about the role. Obviously, it's, it's a diminished role compared to last year and compared to the playoffs, but the minutes have been there, Patrick. I mean, the opportunities have been there. This isn't a, a case of, oh, if Rose is only playing 14, 15 minutes a game. He's still getting 20-plus minutes, yep. and he's still not producing to a level that we saw anywhere, not even anywhere close to what we saw last year. And that concerns me a bit because I, I don't know if, okay, Terry uh, or uh, Kyrie Irving's out of the picture. This is your team now. You're the, you're, the, you're the star. You know, Anthony Davis, the entire city is – you know, split in terms of how how they feel about this deal. Right. Go, Terry Rozier. Let's go out there and put with all that pressure on your back. 
lead this team to a championship. I don't know if he's, he's going to deliver. But Rozier, I don't think, will be leading the team to a championship. Let's go back to 2008. In 2008, Rajon Rondo didn't lead that team to a championship. He was yeah, a second-year player. He was the right point guard for but, that team. But those three players, though, the three top stars, yep. do the Celtics have those guys at? Like, like, like with, None of those again, three were a top three player in the league. Right, right. But Anthony no. Davis is. Right, but what I'm saying is the top three, your, your top three players in this scenario, right, compared to those top yep. three players of the OA team, yep. I just don't think the talent even measures up at all. Well, let's take a look. Let's look at the talent, okay? So Kevin Garnett versus Anthony Davis. I mean, a wash. You know, K- yeah. KG had more intangibles, but Anthony Davis probably a better basketball player. Okay. Uh, but let's call it a wash. He's the modern-day KG. So, okay. okay, Jason Tatum, Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce was better at the time, but Jason Tatum is very much a, a mini Paul Pierce. But see, that's what I'm saying, though. That's exactly what I mean, Patrick. In two years, okay, when Tatum is that guy, when Tatum is a top 15 player or, or top 10 player, uh, an all-star, when he makes his first all-star team, now we're talking. Maybe that team can go, but this three- to four-year window that you have with Kyrie, if you lock him in next summer, I just think that team is way more talented than a team led by Anthony Davis and Tatum. Gordon and Hayward, Ray third? Allen. I mean, I'm telling you. That it's no, not that... See, you can't even put Hayward next to Ray Allen right, right now. Right now, I can't. But I'll tell you what. When Ray Allen was brought here, he was coming off double ankle surgery, and nobody knew what or who he was any longer. Mm, he was a top five player in the league. Though. I mean, score, excuse me. Top five score. I, I'm just saying that it's not as crazy as people think. And what gives it sort of some credence to me is I, I look at it like this. Danny Ainge, we know that he sort of gets infatuated with players, and, and he'll do what he has to do to get them. Tell me this doesn't sound like a Danny Ainge move. So a few years ago, he trades a bag of balls and Marcus Thornton and a trade exception for Isaiah Thomas, flips IT for Kyrie, and then you're going to flip Kyrie for Anthony Davis. So in theory, in essence, when he traced it back, he traded a trade exception, a bag of balls, and Marcus Thornton for Anthony Davis. That has got Danny Ainge written all over it. He would pull that freaking deal off just to say he pulled that deal off where he gives up Marcus Thornton and a bag of balls for AD. It'd be a terrible move for the Pelicans, though. It it would With, be without a guarantee from Kyrie that he's going to stick around. It would ooh, be a terrible that's a, move. That's an awful move. But yeah, for for a sake of argument, I mean, hey, it's a good debate. It is. I just I don't think Tatum and 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 Hayward are quite there. I don't know if I trust those guys next to Anthony Davis. I don't want to see the Celtics become the Pelicans of the Eastern Conference. Put it that way. And I'm not saying that they would be record wise. But talent-wise, I mean, do Gordon they, Hayward does right that team now. get to the finals? Yes, but against the Warriors or whoever team is waiting for them this year, next season, the year after that, I'm not quite sure. I'll take Gordon Hayward right now over Etwan Moore, and I will take uh, Jason Tatum <laughs> over Drew Holiday. Okay, and th- and that's what he's balling with out there right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, but out west though, <laughs> the West is hey, the Western Conference this year is competitive, man. I uh, mean. I know. It's crazy this year because you're going to have teams above 500 missing the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a very talented conference. One more before we get out of here today. Uh, There's been speculation uh, coming out of Washington. And no, we're not going to get into the sexual preferences of uh, Dwight Howard because I'm not even sure what his preference is right now. It's a little combination mix of both. Has he said anything about that? (laughs) Is there any quote from Dwight? There's been nothing. Shockingly, it's been quiet. You got to talk to his publicist or something, man. You got to give us something. Not quite sure how you spin this one. But (laughs) anyways, uh, he even sat out a game. Exactly. Go ahead. See, we're getting into it. Go ahead. We are. Right, Bradley Beal. All right. Bradley Beal is rumored to be available. Um, he's somebody that we know is tremendously talented. One of the problems the Celtics have had this year is seemingly there's not enough balls to go around to keep these guys happy. Uh, took a bunch of calls the last few nights. People talking about, well, why wouldn't you trade Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown, and maybe a pick for Bradley Beal? And you bring another fringy all-star here. 
and on paper, it's tempting because I think a, a backcourt of Bradley Beal and uh, Kyrie Irving certainly, you know, it, it's on paper it looks great. Yeah. But after watching this team for 21 games, I'm not sure bringing in another guy that needs to score 20 points a night is really the answer here. Yeah, and he takes a lot of shots to get there at he, times. He does, you know, especially when he's uh, when he's feeling himself. Um, are we ready to give up on Jalen Brown? Like, I just I'm really surprised that people are. I feel like they're they're ridiculously down on him. And like, look, I, I, we said this before the season started. Like, he was the one that needed to make the most adjustments. You couple that with the injuries and how he's been unable to to stay on the floor. I just think people need to to wait it out a bit. You know, maybe somewhere down the road. You can get a better deal for Jalen Brown, and you know Danny Ainge doesn't mind waiting. I just think people are are ready to sell on this guy way too early, especially when his stock isn't as high as as it should be. Yeah, Jalen's somebody that's certainly very intriguing. Uh, We saw what he can be. We saw flashes of it last year. What was most exciting about what we saw last year was that last month of the season and into the playoffs. For the first time in his career, he really sustained it. He became somebody where you could count on him to be that productive game in and game out. This year, it's clear that instead of just going out there and playing basketball. He's overthinking everything that he's doing. He's worried that every move that he makes is going to put his ass back on the bench. Um, he just doesn't look happy. And I go back, and I just can't get this out of my head. I go back about two weeks ago to that Toronto game. And during the fourth quarter in overtime, when the Celtics are mounting their comeback and when they pulled away in the fourth in the overtime, if you go back and you watch that fourth and overtime, you'll see the entire bench standing and cheering and hooting and hollering all excited. But you'll see Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier with their – face sort of in their hands, you know, just not participating, looking disinterested. They're remembering that it was them last year out there on the court during these moments, and it's going to be a hard adjustment for them. And while I think Jalen Brown has got a very bright future, I look at this team, and I don't think it's a coincidence that they have played better on nights where Jalen's been out or Hayward has been out. It's almost like you've got three guys in Tatum, in Jalen Brown and in Gordon Hayward that all, for the most part, play the same position. The exact same player almost. You know what I mean? (laughs) And and you can only have so many of those guys on the floor together at once. I know Brad Stevens said about three years ago now his dream lineup would be all guys between 6'7 and 6'8. But now he's got that for the most part, and it's not working all that well for him. So as much as I want to see Jalen stick it out here, I'm not sure he's going to. Yeah, I mean, that... Pictures spoke volume, seeing those guys, you know, sitting. Because even in games last season where they weren't on the floor at the end of the game, they were, especially Terry Rozier, sure. on his feet, cheering and waving the towel and whatever. If I'm not in this night, I'll be in the next night or the night after that. I always had that opportunity. He's not going to have that opportunity this season. I mean, whether it's Marcus Smart, whether it's Hayward, whether it's, I don't know, maybe Jalen Brown. One of those three guys, for the most part, are bound to be on the floor at the end of the game. And Rozier pretty much has no shot. You got the beginning of the fourth quarter, and once that seven or six minute mark hits, he's heading to the bench. And I think that's going to be, it's going to be tough. I mean, I, I would be surprised if this season ends, or or at least by the trade deadline, and we see the, the the same roster with the with the main core. I would be really surprised. And those are the two guys that stay, stand out the most, and Terry Rozier and, and Jalen Brown. We've got about a minute left here. Two quick things: um, Kendrick Perkins in town this week. Perk telling. The media that he's already reached out to Danny Ainge, that he wants to uh, call it a career but play one more season sometime in January, lock on with a team, and in a perfect world, he wants that team to be the Celtics. Does Kendrick Perkins have anything left where he can bring value to the table here? No, but get it done, Ainge. (laughs) Bring him in anyways. Bring him in. Get him him in the locker room just to help these guys out, especially in the playoffs and, you know, 
stiffen up some of these younger guys. Will and, people still listen to him even though it's been a few years since he's been productive? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You think so? Yeah. Because Kendrick strikes me as the type of guy who he, you could just sit back and, and he'll hear him tell some stories about the OA team, and that in itself will get everybody pumped up and jacked. I just like to see him in uniform, you know? In a, uh, in, in a Geno oh, moment, you know, throw him place, out there. Place for going nuts. Let him do his thing. And then finally, uh, Kyle Korver got traded to the Jazz. This pissed oh, me off. Yes, me too. Missed opportunity me for too. Danny Ainge. Missed opportunity for the Celtics. Uh, he was somebody that I thought would be a perfect fit in Brad's offense. Exactly what they don't have right now. They've got... They've got volume scores, good shooters, but they don't have elite shooters. Yes. And that's exactly what Corver is at 38 years old. Uh, he's latching on with a team that I think, you know, they're a good team, but they're going to be a seven or eight seed. There was an opportunity there for Ainge to scoop him up and, and bring him here, and I think it was a missed opportunity. I agree. I agree. Um, but at the same time, this this was a little earlier than expected. I, I thought I, we all knew Kyle Corver would definitely not be on the Cavs by the end of the season, but I'm really surprised they were able to get a deal done uh, before January. So, uh, but, yeah, that, I mean, that's always been the, the thing about Stevens' system. I mean, you put a knockdown shooter in that corner or you put someone that's just, you know, a, a, a knockdown guy that you can rely on, and it would just open up everything for this team. Maybe something down the road opens up for Brad Stevens and we can see a knockdown guy behind the arc. We'll so see. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, this thing will get posted in the next coming days. Once it gets posted, WEI will tweet it out. And here's a little challenge to you people. So when you see it tweeted out there, and you go and you listen to it, comment underneath on Twitter, okay? And let us know what you think. And Josue and I will pick a handful of your comments and send you guys some T-shirts. Make them good. Make them insightful. Let us know that you at least pretended to listen to the show. Yes, exactly. At least least pretend to put the effort in. There's nothing worse than knowing you didn't put the effort in. Otherwise, you know, you know what? We should. I'm gonna send a couple questions out. You know, so I'm gonna quiz them on the episode, <laughs> and you got like less than five minutes to answer because you can't go back and listen to the entire episode before you uh, answer these questions. How about that? And these shirts are great too. These are really nice shirts. They're great shirts. All right. So for Josue Pavone, my name is Patrick Gilroy. We're out of here. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye, guys. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.